everyone is ready. Yes. Okay, good. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Podbytes. I'm Valentina Kaladina, and I'm here with my co-host, Ariel Nissenblatt. Hi, Ariel. Hey, everyone. How's it going? <laughs> We are live on CastBox every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Last week, we both uh, spoke with Skyle Pillsbury, who writes the Inside Podcasting newsletter. She also has the podcast of the same name, Inside Podcasting. We spoke about interview techniques, podcast movement, and so much more. Today is Wednesday, and it's now 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Podbytes is a live interactive show where we talk about the podcast industry. This is episode number 17. And this is livecast, so everybody, you should feel free to participate. Um, for questions and comments, you can call in or even text. It would be really great to hear from you throughout the program. In Podbytes, we invite investors, podcasters, and other key opinion leaders to share their insights into the podcast industry. The show is recorded live and uploaded as a podcast episode afterwards. You can engage with other listeners and guests by dialing in or writing comments in real time. You can also send virtual gifts to the host to support the show. You can find previous episodes of the show in replace. Go to CastBox and search for Podbytes. On our previous episode, like Valentina mentioned, we interviewed Sky Pillsbury, so make sure to check out that episode in your podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts, hopefully on CastBox. Yeah, check it out. Go to CastBox and check it out. We will upload it to replay very soon. In a few minutes, we will talk to Giancarlo Bizarro, who is the sales director at Endeavor Audio based in Los Angeles. But before we start, let's chat a bit about what's going on in podcast news this week. First piece of news comes from Pod News, which is a daily newsletter. The Australian podcast conference, OzPod, will return on Thursday, October 3rd. Speakers include Owen Grover, CEO of Pocket Cast, and scripted podcast writer and director Dan Blank, and Pod News editor James Cridlin will share his insights into the state of the audio industry based on a brand new data from ABC Audio Audience Insights Podcast or Consumer Survey. It's organized by the ABC, and it's going to be in Melbourne. From Inside Podcasting. Lipstick and Vinyl, a podcast network committed to delivering underrepresented voices with a focus on female voices, has teamed up with More Banana, a female-centric podcast network, to expand its portfolio of shows. The partnership includes sales representation from Focus 360, an advertising company which has taken a minority stake in Lipstick and Vinyl. We are especially excited to share this news because we've interviewed both Alison Marina of Lipstick and Vinyl and Sky Pillsbury of Inside Podcasting. Make sure to check out those episodes in our feed. And last, a podcast recommendation. Make sure you check out 1619. It's a New York Times project that marks 400 years since the start of slavery in the U.S. Along with essays, photos, and research, there's going to be a companion podcast being released. The first episode appeared last week, and it's really captivating, so make sure you check it out on CastBox. Great. Ariel, I've, I know that you spoke at the conference uh, just a few days ago. Would you like to share a little bit about that? Sure, I'd love to. Um, so in Los Angeles this past Saturday, there was a podcast workshop day held downtown at a 
co-working space called Cross Campus. It was put together by the International Documentary Association and Wondery. And the focus was to teach documentarians how to recreate or repurpose their content for podcasting. And uh, it was a really interesting day. I moderated a panel on um, uh, the whole process of creating interesting content, the process of pitching content, what makes a great pitch and what makes a great podcast. So it was uh, it was a really great day. I met a lot of amazing people and um, I just love getting together with the podcast community. So it was a real pleasure. Thank you for asking. Great. Yeah, I really I, I saw in your in your social networks on your feed and it was uh, it looks really exciting. Um, all right. Now we'll jump into the interview. Today we are joined by Giancarlo Bizarro. Giancarlo. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi. Thanks, Valentina. Thank you, Giancarlo. Giancarlo is the sales director of Endeavor Audio, where he helps brands align with industry-leading podcasts like Blackout, The Bellas Podcast, Dick Wolf Presence, Hunted, UFC Unfiltered, Drink Champs, Family Ghosts, and The Punies by Kobe Bryant, to name a few. Before coming over to Endeavor Audio, he was director of sales at Cadence 13 and previously oversaw emerging media on the advertising side at Oxford Road for prominent companies like ZipRecruiter, Blue Apron, Dollar Shave Club, Lift, Ring, and more. Hi, Giancarlo. Thank you once again for joining us today. Thank you guys so much, Valentina, Ariel. This is a pleasure. I'm very humbled to be here. And, you know, I, I certainly want to go through whatever kind of questions your guests may have or anything that you may have in regards to, you know, my experience, the, the, the fortunes that I've had in this space, kind of seeing where, um, where it's sort of evolved into, where it could be evolving towards, um, and talking just about how, you know, advertisers can get involved and what we have going on here at Endeavor Audio. Yeah, that would be great to talk about all these topics. And let me just remind to all our listeners, please, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask. You can type your questions in the chat window or call in. We try to make sure that we read them out loud. And I would like to talk about uh, your experience in sales and uh, in general about sales and advertising. We don't have very uh, good chance to talk about sales. I mean, we don't talk about the advertising very often, but this is uh, definitely a very important topic for all the podcasters. So at Endeavor Audio, you're responsible for sales. I would like to take at least one example and dive deep into it. Uh, let's talk Absolutely. about Okay, uh, let's talk about one of the most recent projects of Endeavor Audio, the Blackout. The, the Blackout uh, is, a famous, is the famous show, and uh, this podcast is presented by Sonos, the company that specializes in smart speakers. Sonos is a sponsor of this thrilling podcast that was produced by Rami Malek. Sonos has a huge focus on sustainability. I mean, Sonos is a, quite a famous manufacturer of audio systems. And um, I would like to talk a little bit more about their brand strategy and how uh, how did your collaboration work? So they yeah, abso absolutely. Like, I'm happy to dive into that. Um, okay. You know, my, co my colleague, my colleague, um, my colleague, Rich Eisman, he was the one who curated this deal. So full props to him. Um, he worked directly with um, the Sonos client and a agency out of New York. Um, to curate this deal. Um, one of the unique 
elements of this sort of collaboration between Sonos and Blackout, which for those of you who aren't familiar is a podcast featuring Academy Award winning actor Rami Malek. Um, basically, he is a small town radio DJ um, and an event happens that he, you know, potentially thinks is an isolated incident. And we come to realize that it's a lot larger than that. It's affecting the United States. Um, but to get back to sort of the partnership, uh, Sonos right. basically decided that they um, they wanted to be the presenting sponsor. We thought that this was a very good and symbiotic relationship, given the fact that um, what we're really trying to do at Endeavor is create, um, you know, the next evolution of podcasts, premium content, um, and use sort of the verticals that we have in the talent and entertainment industry to help sort of bring in new audiences and inject a little bit of Hollywood into sort of podcasting. So Sonos was 100% on board. And when we told them that, that this was going to be a podcast primarily for the listener, that there was going to be a lot of audio effects, they wanted to be involved straight from the get-go. Um, and with that, we, we kind of used our partnership with them not only just in terms of the, in terms of the podcast ads, which Scott mm -hmm. Conroy, the creator of the show, um, did a phenomenal job reading, but we also incorporated them into some of the marketing materials that we put on social media and into sort of a lot of our, our marketing materials um, outside of just the audio space. So can you tell them, more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we ran, We ran advertisements on, um, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to our marketing team um, of Lisa LaCour, um, Sapphire Stubbs, and Emmanuel Staller. They're phenomenal. They really know what they're doing. A lot of them come from different verticals, and they, you know, they look at our shows as ways to, as ways to sort of grow audiences in podcasting that don't exist. And so basically what they did is they targeted people who were fans of Rami Malek on uh, social media channels, and they sent out to them trailer trailers that were customized with the, with the sort of podcast, but also with visual elements to it as well. And Sonos was heavily involved in the, um, in the marketing materials. And that's mm -hmm. something that we are, are getting more and more into with a lot of our advertisers. Um, we really think that that's a space for expansion. And, um, you know, we're, we're launching a podcast with Dick Wolf coming out in October. And it's, it's part of conversations that we're having currently. But, you know, we did out of home. So if you, if you live in Los Angeles, which not everyone does, we're driving down Beverly Boulevard, you would have seen a, a billboard on mm -hmm. the street had a big Rami Malek image and, you know, it's a billboard for a podcast and we did incorporate um, our advertisers on, you know, on those, on those marketing materials. And I think that that's another way to get advertisers involved in some of our larger scale content. Right. I would like you to comment a little bit on the advertiser perspective. Uh, I'm not sure if you can speak on behalf of Sonos, but um, maybe you can comment um, on this um, particular part. So Sonos, as far as I look into their brand strategy, as far as I look at their communication strategy, they were focusing a lot on sustainability and they even issued their sustainability report and they um, responsible, they support music education, uh, things, like, things like that. So 
I'm I was curious, you know, and probably for some of the our listeners who are podcasters, it would be very helpful to understand how does sponsorship of this podcast fits into their brand and PR strategy. Well, I think that from from just the the ob- overall audio perspective, right? For them, like they are a they are a speaker company first and foremost. They're a technology company. Um, they do create speakers, but being associated with large high end production that you can listen to on their hardware is very you know in line with their brand strategy. Um, having said that, um, I think that from just the perspective of what types of content they're aligning with, maybe their sustainability efforts. I think that that the medium as a whole tends to skew a bit more educated. Um, so when we're mm-hmm. talking about people who are listening to podcasts, you you tend to have people who have at least a you know a bachelor's degree. There's some people who have more you know than that, whether it be a master's or a PhD. But people are generally tuning into podcasts. They have higher education, so they generally want to be educated more. And I think that 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 plays in for a lot of e-commerce companies, such as Sonos, that want to come into the space and advertise. Um, I can't speak directly to their sustainability efforts um, because I don't have insight into what they're doing from a corporate level. Um, But I can say that a lot of the clients that I currently work with, whether it be, you know, you know, food delivery kits and or you know, impact investing companies, um, there is an element to, um, to what they're doing to sort of positively impact, positively impact society. And I think a lot of the, a lot of these companies, um, that I'm very fortunate to work with and that do sponsor a lot of podcasts are providing solutions and innovative ways to sort of address issues. And that's why they're using podcasting as a medium to get their message out there because one you know, it is a great way to sort of explain new products, new concepts, new ideas that may not necessarily be in the mainstream yet. Uh, it's a lot easier to do it over a podcast than it is per se to, um, you know, see it as an Instagram ad or potentially, you know, swipe through it and on Facebook. Like if you have somebody who you um, who trust or appreciate, like it is something that we can easily follow via somebody who's saying it over a podcast as opposed to as opposed to just merely glimpsing it right um right so we definitely want to uh ask you about very specific things we definitely want to we want you to reveal more insights uh so i was curious how long did it take you to sign them up for this sponsorship I didn't curate the Sonos deals, so this is something that I'm I'm giving secondhand answers to. But you know, it, it, generally with a, a lot of these larger sort of presenting sponsorships, a lot of it has to do with timing, right? So for for brands or companies that want to advertise, um, generally they have budgets for the year that they've allocated to marketing. And so if a certain show per se is presented with enough lead time and it fits into what they are excited or looking to do, then they will allocate that budget. Um, in this case, you know, we, we had, we were really excited about this show. It just, we just so happened to have the, the fortuitous nature that Rami was in Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. and nominated for, you know, Golden Globe and Oscar. So like in that regard, 
that made our jobs a little bit easier. Like right. it's not every day that you have a, of course a, I can imagine. Yes. a host that's going to, or a, a talent on a podcast that is going to be in that kind of position. So I think that probably helped the sales process a mm-hmm. bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, what we basically did is we, we went to so- Sonos with the sort of objective of driving awareness to the brilliant sound quality that they have, trying to associate the brand with content that supports, you know, elevated listening, which is one of their core, you know, their core strategies in the marketplace. Right. And kind of underscore the importance of premium sound when you're listening to premium content, because this, oh, yes. just like a lot of our shows, is premium content. We really are trying to create the next phase of podcasting through shows like Blackout. And so, right. you know, we integrated them into the ad breaks when generally the audience was most likely to remain captive and engaged, generally, you know, similar to what has happened in other mediums, like there's a, there's a dramatic event and then we'd go into the Sonos read. Um, yeah, it was, it, you know, as I mentioned, like we amplified their message, whether it be through organic or other media efforts like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And we really provided a ton of value for them in addition to the audio, but the audio was the primary focus. So, um, you know, I can't really give you how long it took to, to close this deal. Like yeah, these conversations fine. sometimes start and they don't go anywhere. And other times, right. you know, they take, they take a very long time to close. Sometimes they happen real quickly. And then um, the I guess nomination it, to Oscar happens and then the deal is closed. Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. That's that generally, <laughs> that, that helps things out a lot. Yeah, you just um, need some luck, of course. Absolutely. Okay, got, got it, got it. So if by any chance we have anyone from Sonos listening to us live at the moment, please feel free to call in and comment. Maybe you can shed some light on how these negotiations went, if you want. And yeah, no, I mean, it, I, I, I wish I, I wish I was the person that closed this deal. I can speak to other deals on that show, but sure. I unfortunately didn't close the Sonos deal. Um, okay. okay, let's talk about another example. Uh, you're responsible for sales uh, in Endeavor Audio, so I would really like to talk about uh, different different shows and different ways of monetization. Uh, one of the recent podcasts, another one, the very recent, I believe, the very recent podcast called The Killing of Marilyn Monroe. Uh, this podcast investigates the story of her mysterious death. And this podcast is trying to investigate and if, is trying to find out if uh, this was a suicide or it was a mur- murder. So this is quite a serious work. So this show, you, you in this show, you use different way of monetization. You use dynamic ads insertion, and uh, I would like to talk a little bit more uh, in details about this show. Uh, why do you use different sales approach to your different for your different shows? Well, I think both types of sort of both types of sales. I mean, there's there's you can sell ads in multitude of ways. There's You know, obviously there's the host read, there's dynamically inserted ads, there's custom segments that can be done. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a plethora of ways to sort of use audio for your advantage as a company. And it, right. it all depends on what your ultimate objective is. So from a dynamic perspective, if you're targeting a certain subsection of the population, whether that be females that are a certain age range that are interested in true crime or documentary ty- style stories, then You can actually target that using 
you know, using dynamically inserted ads. And that generally is what, you know, is being used on this show. That's not to say that that's the only way, because there are host red ads that are being done by, you know, by, by the producers or the hosts of these shows. And so I think that, you know, if I'm, if I'm a, if I'm a, a product that has a definitive time frame that I need to get something to market, whether it be, you know, a television show or a film, right? Like, and I need to drive people to, you know, to the movie theaters, right? For, or tune in for a certain event at a certain period of time. It may not be in my best interest to buy a host for an ad because generally those are measured over a certain period of time. Like mm-hmm. some networks will do 60 days, other networks will do 30 days. Um, it, you know, it depends on how long that will take to get the impressions that, you know, you're purchasing against. If you buy things dynamically and you purchase back catalog in addition, there are ways to get more impressions. So if I'm buying a reach play for say for, for, for a movie, I may want to buy dynamically because I may only need people to listen to this ad for two weeks. Right. And so in order for me to get as much volume as possible, the best way for me to do that is to buy dynamically because if I buy episodically, I miss out losing that entire back catalog of, right. of inventory that people may be going and listening to, you know, two months from now, somebody may come and listen to our conversation and, you know, this may be really pertinent to them. And if, you know, if I'm buying, if I'm buying inventory and I'm buying dynamically, they can, I can still monetize that, that inventory. Um, you know, if I have a product that per se is, is, is or a show that might be a little bit more current events based, like it may not make sense for me to buy dynamic on that. It sure. might make sense for me to buy a host red ad. So I think it, it all comes down to the type of campaign that an advertiser is running. And then, based off of that, um, what their ultimate objective is. And so for this particular show, um, we have both. We have advertisers that have purchased ads um, and we have, um, you know, advertisers that are buying dynamically. Um, I think a good example, a converse example is the Bella's mm-hmm. podcast. Sure. So this is Nikki and Bella. Um, they are two former um, wrestlers, they have a, they had a show. They have a show on on E. Um, you know, they basically talk week in and week out about um, what's going on in their lives, what's happening in their day to day. It's a little bit more current, uh, and, and that is a show where they get really involved in the ad reads. And you know, you can buy dynamically on there, but it may be even more value to your product if you have them actually use it and endorse it within the episode. So um, at the end of the day, it, it really makes sense to sort of, to, to look at what your objective is as an advertiser, and then I will help you get to that objective via that, via whatever the KPIs and goals you have for your campaign. So um, this, it looks like there's, yeah. a, there's a question here, right? Y- yeah, um, um, oh, you mean the from the listeners? Yeah. Ariel, do we have a question? Yeah, we have a question. The question is, how do you do your price scaling for episodic versus dynamic advertising from Sunny Sualto? So I think that it, it all depends, right? Because because generally, for the most part, episodically and dynamic can be the same thing. Because even in dynamic ads, you can still have hosts do those reads. So you're still getting the value of a host read, even though it is being dynamically served across an entire catalog of shows. Um, pricing can you know, vary depending on what, how granular you want to get. So if you're targeting a specific geography or sub-segment of the population, um, then it can be even a little bit more expensive. 
my personal take is that an endorsement um, should be a little bit more expensive because it's 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 happening within the content. Um, but if you're buying, you know, if you're buying back catalog and you're you're, you're running a singular ad, um, you know, there, there's room for negotiation if you're buying enough volume. I think that that's where dynamic can really work in an advertiser's favor. Um, and you know, they're, they're both work in, in, in depending on what the objectives of these campaigns are. You know, I think that four years ago, you probably wouldn't have wanted to buy a dynamic ad because the technology wasn't there. You could hear the the ad being served. Today, I think that there's a really that we we do a much better job of of getting these ads to sound as if they are organic and within the content. You really can't tell the difference. So I think that from a pricing perspective. It's pretty similar, but if you're, you know, depending on what you're purchasing, if you're buying dynamically across a catalog and you aren't really targeting, um, there is value to be had. Um, if you're buying, you know, very specific sub segments or ge- geographically targeted, then it can be a little bit more expensive than buying a full sort of like host red episodic ad. Let me just jump in here. We have one more question and then yeah. also. We just got a bunch of new listeners, so I want to orient everybody sure. so they know what's going on. Um, this is Pod Bites, the show from CastBox, where we talk to industry leaders. On the line right now, we've got Giancarlo Bizarro, and I'm your host. I'm Ariel Nissenblatt, and we've got Tina Cal- Valentina Caladina, who is also hosting. And um, we've got a question here from Jimmy Rain. He says, what's the best advice for new content creators without a large following yet? Do companies look to new talent and take a chance on them to help them grow and develop? Hey, Jimmy, um, trying to sort of wrap my head around your question. But for the most part, I think that, you know, in terms of growing your audience, if that's what you're looking to accomplish, I think that there's two ways of doing this, right? Like, I, I come from an advertising agency. That's where I started, right? Like, I've been on the on the network side for a little bit longer than I was on the agency side, buying for a lot of companies, right? They will definitely take a look at your podcast if it makes sense. My, my piece of advice is to reach out to these companies directly, especially if your show makes sense for what they're trying to sell. So for instance, um, you know, if you, if you are talking about, I don't know, let's say you're talking about hair or, or, or shaving, right? Like my advice would be to reach out to the traditional shaving companies in the space and to potentially even offer up like this is something that as, as a network we probably wouldn't do, but offer up like, hey, you know, we'll give you a couple of ad space. Give me a promo code. Let's see how many conversions I get. And if you can show to them that you can actually make conversions on their behalf, they may be willing to sponsor your show in the future and actually pay you for it. And, you know, you can come to an agreement with 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 direct advertisers and even advertising agencies. I mean, advertising agencies are always looking for diamond in the rough podcast. When I was a buyer, my some of my best performing shows were shows that weren't represented by networks. They obviously all got picked up at some point and then I had to, you know, renegotiate. But I think that from growing your show, talking to other podcasts that particularly, you know, have similar overlaps going on, promoting yourself on other shows, um, potentially uh, doing, doing swaps, promoting other shows on your content. If somebody will promote, that'll help you grow your audience. Um, And then, you know, I think that reaching out to the companies that you use yourself and are really obsessed with and potentially even doing reads on their behalf, even if you're not getting paid and sending it to them, 
that's a good way to get their attention because it got my attention for a lot of smaller shows that I, you know, a lot of people didn't really know about a while back. I mean, I, I, I definitely take, you know, there's, there's a lot of independent shows that I could mention that I've worked with for a numerous advertisers on the buying side. And, you know, they would reach out to me directly. I mean, uh, a lot of, I mean, they're huge now, but you know, Jake and Amir and the headgum guys, um, you know, they, they were doing all their own media and, and, and they reached out to us when I was on the advertising agency side and they were like, we'll do some stuff for nature box. Um, give us a couple of free reads and lo and behold, that stuff knocked it out of the park. And I, I sent them orders with, with, with the team that I had, like I learned for, from two great people at Oxford road, Gary Brown, Miranda Romano, they, they kind of taught me how to, to negotiate. And I think that, 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 you know, that, that advice, you can reach out to these people. You can say, Hey, I have a show. Like, even if you have, you know, a smaller audience, um, is a good way to sort of look for advertising revenue and to get your foot in the door and, and promote yourself. Uh, we have a follow-up question from Sunny Sualto. Sunny is asking, how do you reach out in that case? And the very specific question is, is there generally an easily findable PR email? Um, are you talking about advertising agencies or? I think direct um, companies. Yeah. So direct companies, I generally, you know, as somebody who talks to a lot of direct companies, um, I'll try to find somebody in their marketing department and I'll send them a, you know, I, I would probably send them an email and say like, listen, like this is a perfect fit for your podcast or for your, for your, for your product. This podcast is a great fit. Like this is a really good way. Um, you know, you, you would be, you would be remised not to even, you know, look at this opportunity. Like this is, this is a great overlap. Um, I, I brought in a lot of advertisers in this space, basically by reaching out to these companies and saying, listen, I have a show that's going to be perfect for you. Um, give it a shot. And I think that that's, that's a really good way of sort of reaching out, um, you know, to direct companies. And sometimes if you reach out to direct companies, even if they don't respond to you, they'll send that on to their advertising agencies who will do their due diligence and get in touch with you. Right. Uh, so this sounds to me that uh, for the last few minutes, you were talking mainly from the advertiser point of view, but how about uh, the company's perspective? Is there anything uh, specific that uh, you can disclose about the company's perspective? Do you have, is it important the opinion of the creator, for example, when you guys decide how to monetize? So if the creator, does it happen sometimes that creator reach out to you as a company and saying that, Like we prefer this way of monetization. How does this work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, for a lot of the shows that we work with, we have products that are, you know, approved, pre-approved. We have products that are, you know, they don't want to touch. Um, mm -hmm. So sometimes you'll get a company that would want to advertise on a show. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to name examples or industries, but, you know, and, and, and the host of that show will say, I won't, absolutely in any way advertise for that. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, I think that works out in everybody's benefit because I don't think that the hosts of these shows want to be reading for, for product that they don't believe in. Right. I think, I think the, I think that the advertisers probably don't want to be on shows where the hosts don't believe in their product. So, um, you know, uh, from our perspective, we always talk with our talent to make sure that the products that are going into their shows make sense, that they use them, that they believe in them. Um, because I think that helps both, them and the advertisers 
really get success because if, if they like the stuff that they're talking about, they're going to, they're going to do it with, with vigor and enthusiasm mm -hmm. and that'll help the performance of those, those companies that are sponsoring their shows. Um, and you know, it'll make the reads that more authentic. So, right. And at the end, how do you measure the success of a podcast as a commercial product? So this, that's really great. I mean, you know, I, I obviously think that there's there's definitely a, a ton of ways of measuring success from a network perspective, from Endeavor's perspective. Mm -hmm. We want our shows to be large, right? We want we want to we want to be in the zeitgeist of everyday conversation. So the fact that you mentioned Blackout is fantastic for us, right? Like, you know, we're really fortunate to be partnering with some amazing creators and to be doing to be doing sort of bringing podcasting into corners that you know, that haven't always been served. So, but from a, from an advertiser's perspective, you know, there are more tools becoming available that can help them better understand and measure their marketing activities. There's also tools that help networks and shows measure that as well. Um, you know, one of those tools is, is, is chartable. There's, you know, pod sites and chartable are competitive. Mm -hmm. um, chartable, I think helps publishers better understand how to grow their podcasts Um, and advertisers more accurately attribute unique listeners and downloads um, via sort of IP address. And I think that, that these products are only going to help expand our ability to grow shows, grow audiences, and also help advertisers that potentially may have not wanted to come into the space because of you know a, a lack of attribution, better understand where they're sort of their shows are performing versus where their dollars are going as well. And I think that that'll help everyone as a whole, because I think more advertisers will come in, will come into the space because as technology gets better and as people can actually see how their dollars are being spent, um, we're going to see a lot more advertising dollars come in. Right. But do you measure uh, ROI? Because your uh, investments in the different shores are obviously different. For example, in the blackout, you have, what, 20 voice actors? I, I think it's a quite expensive show. At least it looks like expensive. Do, do you well, measure your return on investment? Yeah, I mean, there's there's many ways to look at this, right? Like, we, we certainly want to monetize these shows. Um, and we also want to, you know, create presenting sponsorships with things like Sonos. Like, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not, as someone who monetizes the shows, I'm not really at liberty to sort of, I don't know, essentially the... the financials of some of these what's going into these production levels but i think that from a certain perspective from our perspective primarily um you know we look at this as a as a way to sort of help grow podcasting as a whole and we look at that investment as 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 a way to grow our network um mm -hmm. so you know it, it is it is a great in, endeavor no pun intended taking on this many you know, having a ton of voice actors. But I think that from our perspective, it's the logical next step in media. And as a company that wants to be one of the leaders and on the forefront in every kind of media, whether it be, you know, film, television, SVOD, mm -hmm. sports, fashion, art, podcasting is that logical step for us as well. And we are going to be there and we will be there and i think that that's just part of doing business for us right right okay so you're brand uh, building your brand as well correct 
Okay, and to wrap up on this advertising part, um, my last question would be uh, about your um, about the pattern that you are seeing because you have been working in the sales roles uh, for at least uh, the last five, six years, I think, right? How do you see the ads pattern in podcasts has changed? So, I mean, again, like when we first, when I first started out, we legitimately, I was fortunate enough to work for, for a company that had ZipRecruiter, Blue Apron, Dollar Shave Club, um, you know, to name a few. And, and these were, at the time, there were small but growing advertisers in the space. And so when you have that kind of leverage, you can really work your way around and test a large number of podcasts over vast networks, right? But at that point, right, one of the ways that these advertisers really would gain value was they would get into these shows and they would, you know, live within that content in perpetuity. Like from a network perspective, that's not always great because, you know, we, we can't always just, we need, we want to, we want to monetize back catalog. So from that perspective, I don't think you're going to see advertisers being allowed to stay in content indefinitely. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, you can't, we don't do that anymore. So that's something that's changed. And I'm also seeing, I think dynamically is probably caught up to, or even above, um, you know, traditional embedded ads. Um, and I think that's a good thing for the industry in the sense that, um, we've made it to a point where it sounds exactly the same as what ads were in the past. So from, from a dollar's perspective, I think you're going to see more brands coming into the space. We're already seeing a lot more brands coming into the space. And, you know, whether it be a Sonos or a Netflix or a LaCroix Water or what have you, a Procter & Gamble, a Delta, um, you're going to see these brands come in with vigor and wanting to test. And the more technology can help them actually visualize what's happening, the mm -hmm. more they're going to spend. And I think that's going to help everyone because you know, one of, one of, I still think, even though we have, you know, 700,000 plus shows, I still think we, we are lacking on content. And I think there's a vacuum for, for really high end quality production, which we are working really hard to produce here at Endeavor. And, you know, from an advertiser's perspective, I think they're looking for that kind of content, right? Because you don't necessarily always want to be on a show where somebody may drop the F-bomb or like swear or say something kind of off brand, right? You want to be on stuff that is really stylized, high produced, because you know that that could potentially fit in within your, your brand safety measures. And I think that we're creating content that does that um, while at the same time still having sort of cerebral shows that, that can make sense and, and your traditional talk as well. So. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, okay, I think I'm going to hand over to Ariel to talk about uh, your previous experience that we also are interested in. Great. Here I am. How how you how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I, I just had a I just had a little sip of water. My throat was getting a little dry, but I I, I really appreciate this. This is so much fun. Yeah, you're Thank you both hard, for setting this like up. Yeah, you're working really hard. I feel like you're sharing a lot of very very helpful things, and uh, I know our our listeners are thankful. We've had a lot of people ask a lot of questions, a lot of thoughtful questions. So that's much appreciated. Please feel free to continue doing that. We have about 
15 minutes left of the interview. And um, if there's more questions at the end and people are interested, we'll have you call in if you'd like. But Giancarlo, I want to talk to you about what what brought you here. So um, when we spoke a few days ago and uh, everybody, Giancarlo and I have been friends for a while, so we know a little bit about each other. But now officially, I'd like to know, you know, I don't think we talked about this. What did you what did you study in college and did it dictate? Did you think at all that you'd be in advertising for podcasts when you were in college? You know, I, I, I didn't, to be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, I listened to podcasts. I, I was a big fan of Bill Simmons when he had his ESPN sort of page two and did his podcast way back in the day. So I, I always listened to his show, even though he's a Bostonite. I'm not a big fan of Boston sports, but um, I studied actually uh, Latin American literature, romance languages Whoa. with a concentrate with a double sort of concentration in film studies and media. So oh I God. guess the media, the media perspective comes through, but um, my career kind of, uh, I graduated during the, the, the great recession of 2008 mm. and um, went into po- politics. I worked for the Obama campaign in 08 and uh, that led me to Chicago where I worked in political media for five and a half years. And I feel like everything is kind of cyclical in life and you never know who you'll be working with or for down the line. And so the irony is that, you know, come to Los Angeles and, um, you know, start working as at an advertising agency and then moving on to a, a podcast network. And lo and behold, two years later, you're working to monetize, uh, you know, some of the people that you were working with on the Obama campaign and crooked media. Wow. So, you know, I think that everything is kind of cyclical. Uh, when I was in Chicago, you know, one of the, at the political media firm I was at, uh, one of our clients was um, became chief of staff for Obama, and you know he, he was a congressman from Illinois named uh, Rahm Emanuel, and now I'm at Endeavor, and it's you know things things are kind of cyclical in life, and and you really just have to, in my opinion, my main piece of advice is just to be humble, to treat others the way you want to be treated, because you never know where you're going to be later in life and what sort of the next endeavor is going to be, and so always always remember who you've worked with or for or, you know, and, and, and be appreciative of that. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to hear more a little about um, working on Obama's campaign. Um, <laughs> of course. Um, what it was, was your, fun. Uh, you also did 2012? No, I only did 2008. Um, and then, you know, we did a lot of political advertising, television commercials and radio. Um, one of the things that I did, which I think helped me in at least the initial phase of podcast buying was, you know, we'd have to review, we'd have to review sort of polling numbers and write production scripts and whatnot, what have you for radio ads. And so a lot of that stuff kind of led into sort of the numbers based approach that, uh, you know, a lot of the startups were looking for in terms of just attribution, initial attribution and podcasting, which, wasn't very easy because most people used like promo codes, vanity URLs, but having at least looked at a few polls and focus groups of advertisements, it allowed me to sort of um, transition into um, podcast advertising in a way that, you know, you know, I was able to sort of translate that, that experience into something that then helped startups um, scale into this space. So, I mean, it's crazy because, when you think about it, like you, you can sort of plan where your career, where you'd like your career to be. And 
I always wanted to live in Los Angeles. And if you told me that I'd be working at Endeavor at, you know, 33, I would probably tell you you're crazy. But, you know, I kind of came here in a very untraditional way. And in that regard, like, I'm humbled, I'm fortunate, like, I'm really glad to be here. But I've also been lucky enough to work with extremely talented, brilliant people and for some really, some really amazing sort of places and startups and campaigns and in a certain way work for my ideals, but also help my career progress while doing that. So I think that that's, that's definitely, you know, it's been, it's, it's influenced who I am today and it's allowed me to sort of look at content media from many different perspectives. Well, speaking on uh, the different companies that you've worked for over the years, I have a few questions, but I'll start with, uh, a technical one. So yeah, it's 13 was recently acquired by uh, Intercom, which is a yep. radio broadcaster that owns hundreds of stations. They bought the majority share of Cadence 13 um, and they valued the company at 50 million. Um, why do you think this acquisition happened now? Um, and what do you think will be the result of it? I don't know how much of that you can predict, but we'd love any insights. I mean, I think it happened. I, I can't. I know that the people there did a really good job of curating a catalog of shows and, you know, setting up an exceptional, uh, exceptional team. Um, I think that one of the reasons they probably sold is because maybe Intercom had a clause to where they could buy the rest of the company when they made their first investment, I want to say in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't confirm or deny that. I don't have any of the, the sort of, details on that. I do know that the, the, the process there, um, you know, after they made their first acquisition didn't really change much. Um, they still had autonomy. Um, I think that from Intercom's perspective, it makes sense, right? They want to be seen as a company that is, um, you know, hip and with, with the times per se. And Cadence 13 has a very good roster of shows. And, a really good team of people. I can't, I can't really say for sure. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, but what I, what I can say is that I, I, in, in at least the short term, I don't think much will change. Um, I could see where they try to leverage those podcasts for other audio avenues. Um, I don't know how feasible that is, but it could be, you know, the same way that, you know, I heard, I heard acquired how stuff works and, you know, a lot of a lot of companies are kind of merging right now. I think you're going to see a lot more consolidation in the space because it just makes sense from a competitive perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that's a that's a good prediction. Um, I think you, we're definitely starting to see that a little bit. And um, so, you think there's just going to be larger companies going forward? Where um, I I, I can't, I can't yeah. say for sure, right? Like it, yeah, it, there's a lot of different variables here. I mean, yeah. I, I think that you have a lot of different players trying to jockey for position and content. Um, I think that what we're doing at Endeavor is really unique. We're trying to create a lot of, you know, original content. I think you're going to see more of that from other networks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that is to everyone's liking is, is remains to be seen. I still think that there's room for a lot of really high premium content. Um, some people might argue that the space is too saturated. Like in my opinion, I think there, there is really room for, 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 for lots of shows. Um, I think that where we stand, like we're really confident in our lineup and in the shows that we've released and are going to be releasing. And I think that that is something that we can hold our heads on. And I think that, you know, the Entercom Cadence 13 deal is 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 
good for the space in terms of just, uh, you know, bringing eyeballs to see how relevant podcasting is. And, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think you love um, advertising and media and things like that in any sense, or do you specifically love working in the podcast space? Oh man, what a question. Yeah, I do. I do love advertising, you know, like having, I, I definitely take a consultative approach to sales. I don't know a lot of salespeople who have been fortunate enough to have been sort of the head of podcast buying at an agency. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's helped me in this industry because I, I look at the needs of our shows and I also look at the needs of the advertisers and I try to marry those two things together without kind of being too pushy. Um, I, I definitely try to be more consultative. Um, I understand what both sets of dynamics are looking for. And um, when you can find overlap, that's generally the best way of doing business. Mm-hmm. Um, I love podcasts. I listen to a ton. Um, you know, my some of my favorite podcasts are from around the world. I think that that, that, they, that global podcasts are the next frontier. I know that mm-hmm. we're, we're actively involved. I think that, you know, a lot of networks are doing a great job of sort of expanding or looking in expansion efforts. And I think that, you know, other languages as somebody who's, you know, trilingual, I think that that's, that's a, that's a space for growth, growth for us as an industry. I think that, you know, there are, there are verticals that as, as, as we expand and grow as an industry, there's, there's, there's parts of the world that it's very difficult to explain to people that I am friends with that live there. They don't understand what I'm doing yet. And, you know, there's, there's room for growth in that space. So I'm, I'm ecstatic to work in podcasts and I I like the advertising angle because I think I understand what works for advertisers and I understand what networks need and what shows need. Mm -hmm. And so trying to be able to marry those two things together has has been a really fun and at times challenging, but at other times really, I've been really fortunate to be in this space during this time because I, I feel like I've been able to curate a lot of really good relationships for a lot of different parties. Yeah. Well, we have two more questions that have come in over the past few minutes with just a few minutes left. So I think um, we'll close out the show with these questions and then um, we'll do a little outro. So now's the time, listeners, if you have any last questions, I'm going to ask a question from Sunny now, and then I'm going to ask a question from Jimmy. If there are any more, please feel free to type them in and I'll read them out. So first, we've got one from Sunny who says, does working with an agency change a host's creative freedom? Do you have any insight into that, Giancarlo? I think that I, I don't necessarily think it it, it it hinders your creative freedom. Again, I'm on the production side, so I can't really speak, but I've worked with a lot of producers who've produced a lot of shows, whether it be, you know, here at Endeavor or at Cadence 13. And I think that, I don't think it, it, it if you're at an, if you're at a, pod, by, by an agency, if you mean a podcast network, because there's two different variations there. There's like a talent agency, which right. reps, reps sort of the the hosts of these shows or some of the shows there's an advertising agency which is asking you to read ads on behalf of their clients and then there's podcast networks if you're talking about the network which is what i think you're talking about um i think there are times where having a network can actually be helpful because it'll you know having a, a team of producers and editors actually going through your content might make it more um appetizing and easily consumable for audiences and It'll also allow you to maybe see things in a different way. And I, I, I always believe that having more smart people in the room um, is better than having less. Um, I, I think that for a lot of our shows, we do allow them to have creative freedom. 
um, we work with them in conjunction to sort of guide them with what we think may work for their audiences or the audiences that we're trying to attract into the space. But at the end of the day, I think that creators should ultimately be the ones who have a say in what they, what they create because it's, it's their, it's their ideas. Right. Um, if you're talking about working with an advertising agency, yeah, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to read whatever bullet points they have for their product. But I think that if, if you are really going to be successful, some of the best ads I've had were, were, the talent goes off message and just talks about their personal experience. I've had some talent create songs about products that just came out of nowhere. And mm -hmm. that stuff went gangbusters and viral and the advertisers were successful. So, yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's a fine line. You can, you can, you can still maintain creative control with working with a network. And I think it's just, you know, how you negotiate that. Awesome. And then, the last question, which was more of a statement, but I'm curious about your take on it. Jimmy Rain says live cast shows that turned podcasts seem to have a lot of potential. So shows that start out live and then are repurposed for podcasts, um, they're live, interactive and unapologetic. What do you see as uh, the future of um, live? I know live, you know, is a phenomenon that exists on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and now on um, podcasts. So I'm wondering from the advertising perspective, do you think there's um, potential there? Absolutely. Um, Jimmy's spot on in terms of that. I mean, from an advertising perspective, when I was a buyer, uh, I, I remember trying to reach out to guys on Twitch and being, you know, these guys have names that I don't really know. I'm not a huge, yeah. I don't like watching people play video games, but it's a, there's a massive industry for it. And I remember having to hop on a Skype call with someone who did a Twitch live feed for, dollar shave club once and this guy wouldn't return my calls he would only like have like a, an hour to skype with me but when he would read dollar shave club in his live video game playing it worked really well and i think that from from the future of podcasting i think you're seeing a lot of that like i think that you know there are shows that do sort of live streams and are simulcast on youtube and then people can go back and watch them I think those are extremely successful for advertisers. I think that that's a, if you have the capabilities of doing that, it makes 100% sense. When I was a buyer, um, those were some of the shows that I would automatically go for because there's a component of people actually tuning in and then having that clickable link there is very sort of lucrative to the advertiser and to the agency buying. So mm -hmm. I think that you will see more live streams that are then created in the podcasts. Um, the hard thing is, is, you know, when you don't have people all in the same place, I mean, luckily there's Skype and other ways of doing this, but you run the risk of having the audio quality not be where it should be. So right. I think that if you're okay with the audio quality not being up to high-end production levels, then that's good. And I think that for advertisers, they can do both, right? You want to be on, on, on talk shows, but you also want to have high-quality production because you want to reach new advertisers. You can only scale so many of these shows before you kind of go after it. But I, I definitely think that there is you know, there, there is a marketplace for it. And I think that live podcasts are great. I mean, this is live. I'm, I'm struggling to get over the finish line right now. And I've probably said too much, but, um, I, I do think, I do think that there is a space for it. Um, it, it generally, you know, it's not going to have the same production quality, but right. I think that, that it, it'll, it, I mean, if there's, as long as there's audience, it will be done. Awesome. Well, that's the questions that we have from our 
live audience right now. And of course, everybody um, who's listening to it now, thank you for tuning in live. Later, this is going to be repurposed into a podcast. So you'll be able to check that out on your feeds wherever you listen to podcasts. I have a couple of uh, questions before we wrap up. Oh, yeah. Uh, so You're still on, Giancarlo. <laughs> Let's do it, Valentina. I'm ready. <laughs> Giancarlo. Shoot them at me. Uh, okay, so the first one is follow-up question to what you said previously. You mentioned that it's a good way for the companies to look at the global expansion to go to the overseas market. Are you, as Endeavor Audio, are you guys considering uh, overseas expansion? Absolutely. It's, 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 in, it's in our day-to-day conversations. It's in our talks. I really think that in terms of where, where the space can grow, I mean, I think that we have a lot of growth potential in the United States. I mean, we're still only at like, what, 54% saturation. Um, I mean, of course, there's, there's going to be people who will never listen to a podcast or, you know, don't know how to use the technology. But I think that, you know, overseas is, is massive. I think that you, in terms of audiences, like you see that, you know, in China, there's, there's, there's tons of people listening to educational podcasts. You know, I think that, that Spanish speaking audiences are a large, you know, growth opportunity for the industry as a whole. I think that, you know, Portuguese speaking podcasts as well. I think that, you know, you have markets that aren't being served to their needs. And I think that that from our company's perspective is one of our main sort of goals is bringing in new audiences and serving markets that currently haven't had content created for them. So I think you'll see that from Endeavor in the future. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Look forward to it. And uh, another question is coming from our listeners, but it's not from the live cast. It's from the comments. So if you go to Castbox, there is an option to comment uh, to leave comments to each episode. And uh, I think it's a great way to collect feedback and for podcasters. If you are a podcaster, you can see what people, what people, what listeners appreciate and what they don't like. So I found uh, a few questions related to the blackout and it's very specific. People, okay. pre- people really love music and uh, people are asking what's, the song that is playing at the end of episode Slow Boil. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, is a, it is a original song. Yeah, I'm I going, think I'm so. Going to botch, I'm going to botch this now. Oh I God. Googled it and I shazamed it and I couldn't find. So um, It is an original song that was created for the show. Man, I'm going to get slapped on the wrist for not knowing this off the top <laughs> of my head. You know, um, we can look it up and uh, <laughs> We'll I, I, I can email you the actual name of the song at so some how, point. I don't have it off the top of my head, but okay. it was created no. specifically for the podcast. Amazing. No, yeah, because this is the, like the question that is so important for our listeners. So I think we can post the episode in replace and then we can um, find a way to, to write the answer maybe on our Twitter area. What do you I, think? Uh, I just sent an email to the the production team to get me that the name of the song because I don't have okay, it. Okay, we will right put it in the, the top of my head. Yeah, I wish I did, but I don't. No worries, um, we will put it so in. Apologize to everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, no Valentina and and <laughs> podcast listeners, but I'll we'll get it to you. Good, good, good. Good. And that's a wrap for the show this week. You are listening to the Pod Bites. I'm Valentina Kaladina, and here also was Ariel Nissenblatt. Hey, yeah, just one last plug. I want everybody to uh, make sure that you can continue 
um, learning from us and staying in touch with us when you're not listening to us on Podbytes. So um, the call to action right now is follow us on Twitter. We're at CastBox underscore FM. Great. We were joined by Giancarlo Bizarro from Endeavor Audio. Giancarlo, thank you so much. Thank you both. This has been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Um, hope this has served useful for your listeners. Yeah. And I, 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 I really appreciate you guys having me on. Great. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening and asking questions. Please make sure you subscribe to the show. Uh, please follow us on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram. And also you can click on the show picture here in CastBox. There is a follow button. Please make sure you click it so you will receive push notification when we go live next time. Also, you can see the upcoming live shows on the livecast page of CastBox. Use the app. Call in, ask questions, and interact with your favorite hosts. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.